We're going to have a great time in the Lord today. Amen. I've, I've uh, enjoyed the last couple of weeks of Sunday school hearing from some different people, their perspectives on uh, thankfulness and what they've shared with us. And I, I, Brother Kevin and, and Sister Shayla, great job uh, the last two weeks uh, sharing with us. And we're going to hear from somebody else today. Um, we heard from him actually a few weeks ago for our mission Sunday. We're going to have Marcus Collins. He's going to be speaking to us today. Marcus and Sarah have been coming to our church now for a little while. Uh, they're, they're both in school right now, but I asked him to share with us this morning. So why don't you welcome Marcus Collins this morning as he shares with us the word of the Lord today. Hey Amen. Why don't we give that to the Lord today? We're talking about thankfulness. I think it'd be all right if we thanked him for just a minute. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. And this is week three of our series on thankfulness. And uh, when Pastor Kelly first asked me to pick a day, I thought week three sounded pretty good. I didn't have to be the first up, and I didn't have to be the one to come up with the caboose material, so to speak. And I thought week three was a good slot until um, I started hearing my notes in the first two lessons and I started thinking okay well now I don't know what I'm going to teach on and there's really not an explanation for it except that brother Kevin um, was seeking the Lord for what the Lord had given me um, leading up to his lesson and the the Lord revealed it and then sister Shayla must have snuck into our house like a thief in the night and um taken my notes, but anyway, all that aside, um, I do believe that the Lord has given me something to share with you, and maybe something that you haven't thought about in relation to uh, thankfulness before, but um, I was thinking about how, you know, we're talking so much about thankfulness, and it reminded me of a story that my dad tells me a lot, and uh, it goes like this, and I think it's actually a true story, but there was a pastor that at his church, he just kept preaching the same sermon over and over and over again. Every service, it was the same sermon over and over again. And finally, one of the saints got fed up with it, and so he decided to confront the pastor, and he said, Pastor, why do you keep preaching the same message over and over again? Can't you come up with anything else? And the pastor looked at him, and he said, Well, when people start doing what I'm preaching then I'll move on to the next message. So maybe there is a hidden message in the redundancy of, of this kind of thing. Maybe God's trying to get something across to us that it is that important. It is that important to take time to be thankful. It is that important to reflect on his blessings. <clears throat> so with that being said, I do want to say that my wife and I are thankful uh, for this church we started coming here about, well, a little less, it's actually been less than a year. Um, we decided that we wanted this to be our home church, and that was what God had for us. And um, you all have welcomed us like family from day one, and I do want to tell you thank you for that. And I want to tell you that from an outsider's perspective, what you may not realize having been in this congregation for a long time is that the love of God really does show and that it really, it really is reflected in how you treat people. And I do want to let you know that. And I also want to honor Pastor Gene and uh, Pastor Kelly for trusting me with um, delivering this word to you today. 
but I am going to forewarn you. Um, I don't know if the people in the back found the list or not, but there is a lot of scripture compiled in this lesson. It's a lot of text, but we're going to work through it. This kind of lesson kind of lends itself to that. Sometimes it's better if we just read it out of how God originally put it than for somebody like me to stand up here and summarize it. He can say it a lot better than I can. Um, So we're going to work through that. We're going to go through a lot of text. We're going to take it slow. We're going to relax. Look at your neighbor and say, chill out. It's okay. We're going to relax, and we're going to make it through. So we've learned a lot this month about what thankfulness is and that we should be thankful, that it's important to be thankful. We've talked about the benefits of thankfulness. We've talked about how thankfulness can be a blessing in our lives. And I want to look at it just from just a slightly different perspective today and look at thankfulness itself. And I have seven points or seven characteristics, if you want to call it that, of thankfulness that I want to share with you that I believe that the Lord has revealed to me for this uh, session. But as I was focusing on this lesson and I was thinking about what the Lord had in store, he I started to wonder, you know, what are our reasons for being thankful? And I I was seeking the Lord, and really in the beginning, all he gave me was just a single question. And he asked me, he said, what makes you thankful? And that seems like such a cliche question, maybe, or, you know, something that should just be easily, easily answerable. But, you know, if you really stop and think about it, what does make me thankful? When is that reaction inside of me awakened? What, what kind of thing do I look for? What kind of thing do I appreciate so much that I show thankfulness? So I wanted to know what, uh, what people were saying made them thankful because we can look in Scripture and we can see what the Israelites were thankful for. We can see what the early church was thankful for. A lot of times that was just simply surviving persecution like we don't see today, that kind of thing. But I wanted to know what people today in our um, society that's ever drifting away from God, I wanted to know what people, normal everyday persons said they were thankful for. And so, of course, I Googled it. And I don't recommend using Google if you've got a spiritual question. Um, Pastor Google does not have all the answers, contrary to popular belief. And uh, no matter how many search filters you put on, you're not going to put the right search filter on, which is the Holy Ghost. And, you know, there's a reason that there's a living pastor in your life that can seek God on your behalf and also can tell you that you need to go pray about it. And you need to apply that search filter yourself. And by the way, that search filter works both ways. The Holy Ghost shouldn't just filter what we're putting in, but it should also filter what's coming out, especially what's coming out onto the Internet. Um, But anyway, um, back to thankfulness. Anybody thankful for uh, Google today? I searched what makes people thankful, just those four words. And the very first link that popped up was what makes us thankful and it was by a greater good and so I saw that it was from the University of California Berkeley and I thought okay well this should be good and so I clicked on it and the article said that a recent study suggested that the belief in free will of the person that's doing something for us 
is essential to our being thankful. We have to believe that if somebody does something for us, that they did it because they wanted to, not because they had to. And that's what awakens that thankfulness in us. And so it went on and it talked about the benefits of being thankful, which we've again already talked about. And it started, you know, getting into what makes children thankful and that kind of thing. And it wasn't really what I was looking for, but I did find this conclusion interesting that we, we need to believe in that free will aspect of the gift to, to be thankful. And so I sat there for a minute and I, I thought about that and tried to wrap my mind around what that meant in uh, relation to this lesson. And I, I had written... I mentioned that I have seven points that I want to talk about. I had written these seven points on my marker board in my in my uh, office. That's just how I how I think, how I do things. I have to see it. And I walked up to it and I looked for that spot where that this point fit in. And I was like, okay, there's got to be one of these seven points that fits in somewhere. And I didn't see it. And so I thought, well, I don't really want to add to my list. I I kind of want to leave it the way it is. So I I took another look and. I kind of found the place that it fit in, and that's the, the first characteristic that I want to talk to you about, and that is that thankfulness is a reflection of love. Thankfulness is a reflection of love. And when I first came to that revelation or assumption, whatever you want to call it, my immediate understanding was that my thankfulness is reflective of my love. I'm thankful to God, and that's reflective of my love to God. I'm thankful for my wife, and that's reflective of my love for wife, for my wife. And, and, and I, I was kind of fixated on that, that one-way kind of, of reflection, but as I was looking at this idea of our thankfulness being attached to thinking it's out of free will, I realized that our thankfulness is not only reflective of our love, but our thankfulness is reflective of the love of God, the love that God has for us. And scripture tells us we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And our love is triggered. It's triggered by that first action of God, that voluntary action of loving us while we were yet sinners. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. First Chronicles 16.34, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So in other words, being thankful that God is good, is not, it's, it goes beyond that idea, that, that understanding that we have. We know God is good. We know that there's no evil in him. We know that he's not a man that he should lie. We know that he's not going to go back on his word. We know all these things about God. But it goes beyond being thankful for those characteristics. It goes to the fact that he chooses to be that way. He didn't just love me. He didn't just die. He didn't just wrap himself in flesh and come to this earth and come among his creation just, just because he had to. He did it because he chose to. That's how much he loved me. He chose to take my place on Calvary. I deserved to be there, but he chose to take my place there. And it's that willingness of God that, that can really awaken our thankfulness. And you might say, well... God hasn't really been good to me lately. 
he let me go through this, so he must not really be good to me, or I had to live through that, or this relative did this to me, or my bank really messed me up on my interest rate, or whatever. I mean, the list can go on and on and on, but, you know, the fact that you made it through that itself is a sign that God loves you, and that in and of itself is a reason to be thankful. Psalm 145, 8 through 9 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is, what? Good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we want our thankfulness to increase, we have to first recognize this. It's not only that God loved us, but that he chooses to. He chooses to see us for what we can be in him. He chose to love us while we were yet sinners, and he gave his son. His son was not taken from him. His son was not taken from him by the law, even though his son was the only thing that could fill the law, even though his son was the only thing that could fill that gap, that could pay that debt. His son was not taken from him. Hell did not take his son from him. But God chose to give his son. It was a free will act. And so, if we look at it from the perspective of the fact that we're created in God's image, and although our nature in this flesh is different than the nature of God, and although we are more inclined to do evil things and God is not, we can still look at ourselves and, 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 and think about the fact that we're created in his image. And so, if we respond with thankfulness to something that someone else does for us out of their free will, how much more would God respond if we do something out of our choice for him? That's why scripture says, let all things be done with charity. And it says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves when we're happy to do something for him. He loves when it comes out of our own free will, when it doesn't come out of, I'm doing this because this is what it takes to make it to heaven. No, that's not what it's about. That may be what we, what we think about when we, when we first become babes in Christ. When we first convert, it's usually about, what is this going to do for me? What is the benefit to me? And, of course, the benefit is salvation. The benefit is escaping eternal damnation, which is what was supposed to be for us. That, that's what we think about in the beginning. But when you truly fall in love with God, when you truly desire to see his will done, it goes so much farther than that. And it goes to the point of, I want to do this because I love him. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I choose to do this. I choose to wake up every day and not live a sinful life, but do my best to live a holy life. I choose every day to die out to sin, to repent every single day. I choose to do that. And that's the, that's, that's the kind of living for God that God is going to respond to because he's put that in us. It's a reflection. Thankfulness is a reflection of love. It's a reflection of our love to God, and it's a reflection of his love for us. So, going back to my 
quest, if you will, to find a list of things that people are thankful for today, which was actually harder to find than I thought, which I guess may say something in and of itself. But um, I found all kinds of things on why we should be thankful and behaviors of thankful people versus unthankful people and the, you know, the psychology behind thankfulness and um, that teenagers can actually be thankful despite popular belief. And um, none of this really was what I was looking for because it's, it's, it's great to talk about the benefits of thankfulness. I think that's important. I think that's essential to our understanding. But it's also important to just talk about, you know, to look, reflect and say, well, what makes me thankful? It's good to be thankful, but what makes me thankful? What am I addressing? What am I targeting with my thankfulness? And so I finally found an article that kind of pointed to the direction I was going for. Not really, but kind of. And it was titled, Here's What Americans Are Most Thankful For This Year. A social media survey shows that people aren't grateful for cars, money, or success, but something a little deeper. And I have to admit to you that that kind of gave me a little bit of hope because I was expecting a lot of materialism and egocentrism and it's all about me and I'm thankful for my job or my car or my money or my mansion or whatever. That's what I was expecting. And, and, and when I read that headline, it kind of showed me that I maybe shouldn't have expected that. But before I reveal to you what people said, why doesn't everybody just, to your neighbor, why don't you come up with, we'll just take a few minutes and come up with your top ten list. I'm about to reveal to you the top ten list that I found, but why don't you reveal to your neighbor what your personal top ten list is. If you don't come up with ten, that's okay. You're just not a thankful person. Um, But (laughs) No, but if you don't come up with ten, that's okay. But why don't we just take a minute and... um, I'll, I'll wait on you all, and why don't you come up with it? Because I think it's important before I reveal what other people said, it's important that we recognize what we're thankful for so that we can reflect on that. So why don't we go ahead and do that? Okay, it's starting to get quiet, so I guess people are coming to the end of their thankfulness. We're probably all tired of being thankful after this being the third week of 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 having a go at it. Um. <clears throat> So I want you to remember your list, or if it's more fun for you, remember your neighbor's list and call them out on it. Um, as, as we go through this list that, that I found from this survey, uh, just to give you a little background on, on this information, in case you don't think that anybody is paying attention to what you, you post on social media, um, this information, uh, this top 10 list, actually comes from Twitter. And Twitter, the company Twitter, decided that they wanted to know what people were saying they were thankful for. So they did a search of of everyone's account, and they looked for the phrase, I'm thankful for, and then whatever came after it. And so they, they searched that, and they looked at everybody's posts, and you know, this is the month where everybody starts being very thankful and they post all kinds of things. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I th- I'm thankful I stubbed my big toe yesterday. I'm thankful for whatever. And um, 
Twitter thought it would be interesting to see what people were saying they were thankful for. So they started on January 1st, actually, and they, they went all the way through um, this time, and they looked at what came after the phrase, I'm thankful for. Now, some of these might surprise you. Some of them might not. Excuse me. Um, so the first one is you. I'm thankful for you, whatever that means. Uh, the second one is I'm thankful for life. Well, that's probably a good thing to be thankful for. I think it's okay to be thankful that the Lord woke us up in the morning, that he gave us breath to make it through another day, another chance to serve him, another chance to reach a lost soul, another chance to do that Bible study that we've been wanting to do for five years, another chance to reach somebody. And the third thing was I'm thankful for people. I don't know about you, but I'm not always thankful for people. There are some people that I have to especially try hard to be thankful for, especially when I'm on the interstate. But apparently number three is I'm thankful for people. Number four, I'm thankful for family. That's a good one. Number five, I'm thankful for everything. They must have read Paul's writings, be thankful in all things. Number six, I'm thankful for love. Now, I'm assuming they mean romantic love by this. Um, that's probably also a good thing to be thankful for. Number seven is I'm thankful for friends. Now, to be thankful for friends, you have to have friends, but people are thankful for their friends. Number eight, I'm thankful for everyone. Again, not always easy. Number nine, I'm thankful for today. How many have ever been there where you were just thankful that you just made it through one more day? I'm thankful for today. I've been there many times. I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful that the Lord did not give up on me today. And then number 10 was God. So God made it to the top 10 list. He made it to the bottom of the top 10 list. But he made it to the top 10 list, which I have to be honest, I didn't expect to happen. And so... As we go through the, these next characteristics, I want you to think about this list that the world is thankful for. And of course, this probably includes um, what we might call church people who have Twitter accounts, but I'm, I'm talking about the world in general, what the world is thankful for. And I want you to keep in mind what your list was or what your neighbor's list was and, and see how these characteristics apply. So the second point I want to talk about is that thankfulness is directly related to dependence. Thankfulness is directly related to dependence. You see, when you depend on someone or something, sometimes we depend on things, we depend on our car to get us to where we're going, that kind of thing. When you depend on someone or something, you're much more likely to be thankful to or thankful for him, her, or it. Because you have a need, and you've entrusted that need to that person or that thing, and you're expecting it to be done, but then you're appreciative when it does get done because you didn't have to go to plan B or plan C or you didn't have to walk to work or whatever. And this is, of course, a natural thing, and dependence is a natural thing for us. It's a natural thing. When we're born, when we, when we first come out of our mothers, when we're completely dependent, we're completely dependent on our caretakers. We're completely dependent on our surroundings. We cannot, a, a, a newborn baby cannot survive on its own. It's completely, utterly dependent. And 
independence, which is something probably if I said raise your hand, if you think independence is a good thing, probably the whole room would raise their hands, except, you know, maybe the little children or something. But that's independence is something that we teach our children in our society. We teach them they need to be independent. No, you're not going to sleep in my room tonight. You're going to sleep in your own room because you need to get over your fear of the boogeyman. And one day you need to be able to take care of yourself. We teach them to be independent. But independence being behavior-related, being something that we learn, is not necessarily our default. And it should not be our condition or our status in our spiritual life. And I'll explain. Jesus said, except you be converted and be as little children you cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It was God's design from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden all the way through history, it was God's design that we would be dependent on him. From this land, you didn't cause this milk and honey to flow in this land. I'm sending you somewhere where it's already there so that you will know that it was me It was the Lord. It was your God that provided these things to you. It wasn't by your own hand. And he wants us to be dependent. And when we read that scripture, except a man be born again, we, of course, and and I, I don't know how it is for you, but when I'm trying to give a Bible study to somebody and I want to talk about Acts 2.38, I don't usually lead with Acts 2.38 because their immediate response is, well, that was for the church in the book of Acts, or that's a doctrinal thing or whatever. But I look to what Jesus said first, and then I go to, you know, what the what the doctrine is in the book of Acts. But Jesus said, if you're not born again of the water and of the spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God. Now he uses the word enter and see, and it's important that he uses the word see, because if you look at Moses, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land because of Moses's act of disobedience. And some people say it's because Moses smote the rock twice and that the rock was a type of Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ did not need to be uh, put on the cross two times. He only needed to be put on the cross once. And so Moses's act of disobedience reflected a false image of Christ. Um, whatever, whatever you think the reason is for why Moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land, The fact is, he was not. But if you look, before Moses died, God took him to a mountain. And he took him up on the mountain, and he said, Look out, and this is the land that I've promised to the people. This is the work that you've been striving to achieve all this time. This is what you've been preparing the people for. And Moses got to see the promised land before he died. He didn't get to enter, but he got to see it. But Jesus said, Except you're born again of the water and of the spirit, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You can't even come as close as Moses did to the promised land, except you be born again. And we think about being born again in terms of the spirituality of meaning that you have to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's absolutely true. It's 100% what he was talking about. He said you have to be born again of the water and of the spirit. But we forget that when people are born again, that makes them a babe. That makes them a baby. It makes them a baby in God. It makes them a baby in the church. 
And those babies, those newborn babies, are dependent on someone. They're dependent on God, and, and you know, that's, that might be what, I hate to use the word natural, but that might be the natural reaction for a newborn babe in Christ to be dependent on God. But we also have to understand that they've been entrusted in our care, in the care of the church, and they're also dependent on us. But here's the interesting thing. Having said all that, and this doesn't go for when you're physically born, when you're a baby, you don't really get to choose then, but as you grow older and you struggle with this idea of dependence and independence, you can choose on whom you're going to be dependent. You can choose whether you're going to be dependent on God. You can choose whether you're going to be dependent on yourself and provide for yourself and, and work 70 hours a week to make sure that you provide for your family. You can choose to be dependent on alcohol. You can choose to be dependent on drugs. You can choose to be dependent on gambling. You can choose to be dependent on the government. You can choose to be dependent on all kinds of things. But remember that dependence and thankfulness are directly tied together. That means on whomever you're dependent will be the person that receives your thanksgiving. Psalm 146.3 said, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Psalm 118.1-9 says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress, The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Do you know that if you call on the Lord in your distress, if you really seek him, he will hear you. And he will come to your aid. You can trust in him in your time of despair. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Now, I don't know what the psalmist intended by that distinction between man and princes, but to me what he was saying was, it's better to trust in God than even even the most esteemed person you can find on this earth. It's still better to put your trust in God than to put your trust in that man. Whomever you depend on will be the target of your appreciation. And, you know, being dependent can be uncomfortable. Being dependent means things don't happen on my time frame. There's been a lot of times when I didn't have a choice but to be dependent on God. There's been, I, here's a story for you. I, uh, I uh, learned to be thankful the hard way, I guess you can say. Um, with my used student car, is what I'll call it. Um, But I learned out of the trials and tribulations that came out of that devil-possessed vehicle that it's important to be thankful in the little things. And I found myself, it's really interesting, and it was only because I went through these struggles and only because I knew that it had to be God that provided it that I, that I learned to be thankful in this way. But I got to the point where I would sit down in my car, I'd stick the key in the ignition, and I'd turn the key. And if the car started, I was thankful. And I said, thank you, Jesus. 
But, but I started doing that over and over and over again, and I, and I learned, you know, it's so important to have that level of gratitude. Even if there never was a struggle, I should have already been, been thanking him every time my car started. Even if it was a brand new Cadillac, I should have still been thanking him every time my car started. But it was my dependence on him. It was my need on him that taught me that level of thankfulness. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have our peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope in the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, that's a hard one, and patience experience, and experience hope, we like to have experience, but we don't like the tribulation that causes the patience, that causes the experience. Experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Thankfulness is directly tied to dependence. Talking about being dependent, here's another story for you. I, uh, this past year was a rough year for my family. Um, one week before our wedding, my wife, before my wife and I got married, our wedding, uh, we buried my uncle. And um, then about six months ago, my dad suffered many strokes, as most of you know, from requesting prayer and things for him. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but he was pretty well completely paralyzed on his right side. And uh, I've learned a lot about dependence on God through his experience. See, we forget that it's not just me that learns from my experience. It's not just me that learns from the tribulation that causes my patience, that causes my experience. But when I get to that point of experience, other people see that and they learn from that. And I've learned a lot about dependence on God through, through, my, dad's, um, through my dad's experience from his tribulation. Um, but he sent me a text, and this is a praise report. This is a cool thing. He, he sent me a text, and he let me know. He checks his blood sugar regularly, and uh, he let me know that um, his blood sugar has been so low the past few days that he's actually been eating more sugar to keep him at the level that the doctors want him to be. So don't ever think that God gives up on you, and don't ever think that it's a lost cause. You know, the doctor came in and looked at him and said, wow, you're still alive? I think there was a, a brother in the church that had the same experience. He said, wow, you're still alive. I can't even believe it. Most of the time you don't live through that kind of stroke. But your dependence will take you to a point and growth. You'll be okay on the other side. It doesn't feel like it in the middle of the dependence, but you'll be okay. And it takes you to a point where you've grown so much, you understand so much more, and you're so much better off. The third characteristic is that thankfulness and faith are directly connected. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. You've probably heard the phrase, success breeds success. Well, the idea is that when you're successful, you work harder, and you want to have more success because you felt, like, you felt what it was like to be successful. And being thankful brings to memory the successes that God has already wrought in our lives, that God has already brought to pass. In Psalm 23, 
For the psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff are a comfort for a particular reason, and that is that they trigger a recollection in our mind of the past victories of our shepherd. The rod was, at at the time that this was written, the rod was an object, it was the tool, if you will, under which the sheep passed when the shepherd counted the sheep. And the staff was the tool by which the shepherd drove away the attacks or the, the burdens that the dogs and the bears and the lions would bring to the sheep. And we can see from Scripture that the gospel is the rod of Jesus' strength. Psalm 110, 1-2 says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Romans 1.16 said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So when I'm thankful, things begin to be brought to my recollection. I remember things that God's done for me in the past, victories that he's accomplished in the past. Suddenly my attention is drawn away from my valley of death, and it's drawn to the shepherd's rod and staff. Suddenly I remember going under the shepherd's rod when he was counting me to check and make sure I was still in the herd. He takes note when you wander off. He said, I'll leave the 99 to go to the one that's not with the herd. He's counting daily. Suddenly I remember that he's been daily counting to see if I was there. Suddenly I see the marks on the staff from when he fought off the bear and when he fought off the lion, when I thought cancer was going to destroy me, when I thought I was going to be homeless, when I felt like there was no hope for me. I see all these marks on his staff and my thankfulness through that awakens my faith. When I remember his successes, when my thankfulness draws my attention to his successes and his victories, it awakens my faith. Number four is that, and this is kind of a negative point, um, and that is, it's, I call it the what our thankfulness shouldn't be, but often is because we're dust characteristic. Um, we often forget what we have to be thankful for. It's kind of the what have you done for me lately characteristic. Obviously, uh, it's not a good thing, but it's natural for us to be this way. Israel went through this. We heard the story about Israel and the manna. They had all that they needed. Every day, God provided food to them, and suddenly they became unthankful. But do you know what the scripture says triggered their unthankfulness? It says that they went a lusting. The scripture says you're drawn away of your own lusts and enticed. They they allowed their lust and their flesh to creep up and overthrow their spirituality, and thereby their thankfulness was set aside. Deuteronomy 8 says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest, and I'm paraphrasing here, when everything is going the way I told you it would go, when you're enjoying the promises I told you I'd give you, that your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God that I brought you out of Egypt and then you start saying well it was because of my power it was because of what I did 
our thankfulness tends to be forgetful. Number five, thankfulness is a choice. And I'm hurrying because I'm running out of time. I thought I wasn't going to have enough because I didn't have my translation to take half my time this time. But um, anyway, uh, number five, thankfulness is a choice. You can choose to be thankful or you can choose to not be thankful. And we see this by way of example. Um, I'll just give you a story. Matthew Henry, you may have heard of him. He wrote one of the most esteemed uh, Bible commentaries that the world's ever um, welcomed. But one time, you may not know this about him, one time he was uh, confronted by some robbers while he was living in London. This is what he had to say about it. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. That's an optimistic attitude. Second, because although they took my purse, I guess man purses were in then too, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. That's almost kind of depressing to me. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Scripture commands us over and over again to be thankful and to give thanks unto God. And we can go through all the scriptures, but here's the cool thing about that. If it's a commandment, if God commanded us to do it, that means that we have to choose to make it happen. Because he gave us free will. He didn't want robots running around on the earth with his commandments downloaded that we just obeyed out of necessity. That wasn't his design. That's why he stuck the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden so that Adam and Eve had a choice. They may not have understood good and evil, but they had a choice to obey or not. And you see that our inclination through them is to disobey. So if he commanded us to be thankful, then we have to choose to be thankful because our inclination is to do the opposite. Pages are sticking together. Number six, thankfulness makes you usable. God uses people that he knows will be thankful to be used. Being thankful to God when we are used first shows humility, and second, it's a recognition that it's him that's doing the work. This goes for gifts of the Spirit, which, by the way, God intends for those to be manifest, not only in our services, but in our, our daily walk with him. Um, but it, it goes for that. It goes for reaching people. And we see examples. David, David thanked the Lord for exalting him above his foes and for rescuing him from a violent man. Uh, he thanked the Lord that riches and honor come from the Lord. He gave the Lord thanks for hearing him and becoming his salvation. Daniel, he's also an example. He thanked the Lord for giving him wisdom and might and making known unto him what he asked for. Um, and here's the cool thing about that. It was after that God revealed the interpretation of the dream to him that he thanked him, but it was before he was actually used. So God gave him the tools and he thanked him, but he thanked him before he even went before the king. He didn't thank him after he was used. He thanked him before he was used. And Paul even thanked him. He thanked him for fellow believers in Acts 28. He thanked the Lord for spiritual gifts, including being used in the gifts in Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Thankfulness makes us usable. And here's the, the last point, the grand finale, if you will. God responds to thankfulness. And I'll just give you one example for this, and then I'll get out of your way so you can go use the restroom. But 
Paul and Silas are a great example of God's response to thankfulness. And this, you know, Paul and Silas, they were thrown in the prison. They were thrown in the inner prison, actually, basically just for doing the work of God. That's what they were accused of. Um, And maybe it's this particular experience, tribulation, patience, experience, that Paul learned about giving thanks in all things. And I'm not sure what their song was that they sang. It says that they prayed and that they sang. Uh, Maybe it was their equivalent to thank God for the blood. They probably had something like that. Um, But they show us that even in our darkest hour, even when we're in the inner prison and our feet are bound, we're in shackles, we can still give thanks. And I'm not so sure that they would have been singing praises if they didn't have something to be thankful about. I'm not so sure that they wouldn't have just sat there and just soaked in their misery. Um, But this is how I know that their praise was awakened by their thankfulness. They, excuse me, they were thankful to be chosen to put through these tribulations. And thankfulness ignited their praise. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and he would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is what shows me that their singing was, was awakened by their thankfulness. Out of all of this distraction, out of all this misery, when you read down through the scriptures, it's never one time do Paul or Silas ever mention salvation. They don't witness to their neighbor. They don't give a Bible study through the bars of the prison. They don't do anything like that. But the guard comes in and asks, what do I have to do to be saved? And to me, that says that Paul and Silas, in the middle of bondage, were being thankful to God and singing praises to God for freeing them from their spiritual bondage and singing praises about their salvation so that the guard would know that salvation exists and know to ask about it. And here's the coolest part of all of it. When they got thankful, when they started singing praises to God, their neighbors were freed. So you never know what might happen in a song service. We're getting ready to transition into the main service. You don't know what might happen if you just get a little bit thankful. If you look back at your list of 10 things that we talked about today and you start giving God a little bit of praise, your neighbor's bondage might just fall off. Cancer might just disappear. Diabetes might just disappear. The bondage of sin might just have to fall off. Let's be thankful in all things. So why don't we all stand and just take a few minutes to thank the Lord for his goodness and ask him to get us in the right mindset for the service.